from the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School. This is Marketing Matters on Business Radio. Hello and welcome. You're listening to Marketing Matters here on Business Radio, Sirius XM 132. I'm Barbara Kahn. I'm the Patty and J.H. Baker Professor of Marketing. And I'm joined still remotely by Zoom meeting by my co-host, Professor Americus Reed, the Whitney M. Young Jr. Professor of Marketing and the Brand Identity Theorist. Hello, Americus. Americus, I hate to say this, but you appear to be on mute. Wow. It's, uh, you know what? Can I just leave that in? All our radio listeners, please leave that in because I have to let you know that sometimes it's total amateur hour up here. Uh, I apologize. How are you doing, Barbara? How's everything going? Oh, my goodness. Uh, I'm doing great. I happen to be in North Carolina today. But since we're connected by Zoom, you don't know that. Yeah. Well, now we do. (laughs) Awesome. Well, today we're going to play our hit and miss game. Uh, What's the hit and the miss of the weekly news? And we're going to play it with our guest, Sucharita Kodeli, who's the retail analyst at Forrester. And I'm really delighted to have Sucharita here because she is such a knowledgeable expert. She can give us interesting perspectives. So I'm going to challenge her, and I didn't tell you I was going to do this, to go behind the scenes of the story we talk about and give us some more insightful insight because I know that is what you do for a living. But anyway, Sucharita, welcome to our show. Thank you. Thank you, Barbara. And welcome to lovely North Carolina. I didn't know that you were here. Are you like sweating because it is so hot here right yeah, now? Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's 90 degrees today in North Carolina. Wow. Right. All right. So let's start with our hit and miss. And America's gave me permission to start. Um, and so I'm going to start with mine. I, I, I don't know if it's timely this exact week, but there was an, a news paper, a new newspaper, listen to me, a news article <laughs> on this last week. And I'm really curious about not only this news piece, but also what you think about the trend in general. Mm. And what I want to talk about as my item for hit or miss, and I believe it's a hit, is what's next for Lululemon in ah. terms of its tech ambitions. Mm. So what this recent article talked about is we all know that they purchased Mirror during, during the height of COVID. And Mirror is this um, tech aerobics um, play where you look in a mirror and you can uh, connect online um, and on demand with experts behind the mirror. And it was a way for Lululemon to compensate for the fact that they weren't doing aerobics classes in their class in their stores, but they could now do it online through mirror. Um, and, and Lululemon was not really historically a big player in this digital space. So mm-hmm. that was pretty, I think, innovative of them to connect mm-hmm. with, um, with mirror. Well, the recent article that I just read said that they're also really trying to you know, buy into that idea. And they have a lot of new patents that are coming out um, that they mentioned in their recent call with the analysts. So like there's one of the new patents is for an exercise mat that has the three-dimensional surface texture. And so that you can um, adjust the mat for different kinds of support for users' bodies. Oh, interesting. Um, and the mat will have different kinds of um, uh, surfaces because some surface is slippery or something else like that. They're also looking for different patents to have to do with determining wellness metrics. I know a lot of retailers are looking at that. Amazon also announced something along those lines. So they're into that. And the whole idea, though, and they also had some patent around a sensor belt where they can um, 
I guess, censor other types of things. Uh, who knows what the belt's for? <laughs> well, the, but, does, but Barbara, does the belt tell you it's getting too big? It's like, America's <laughs> stop eating go puffs. <laughs> you know, like, but I'm wow. just curious. Yeah. To read out. I mean, I think probably this is a hit, but you tell us. But also this whole notion about Lululemon moving away from yoga clothes and stores to moving into technology, moving into this wellness, into the digital mirror. As we're starting to get out of COVID, um, is this like smart for them? Are, because I don't know that it's going into their expertise. It's kind of maybe they're acquiring technology. Um, you know, maybe they should stick to their knitting and go back to what they were good at. Or do you think they really should get into this technology play and into this whole 360 degree approach to wellness and fitness, et cetera? Well, what's super interesting is that we are almost at the one year mark when the Lululemon acquisition of Mirror was announced. And, you know, it's still relatively young, but it is a milestone for the company. Um, I think that when we look at, um, you know, the history of retailers and how they thrived and survived, um, the ones that have pivoted, that have um, leaned into new businesses are the ones that have the greatest opportunity. I mean, look at Amazon or, you know, Target going into grocery or and then ultimately into like curbside pickup or things that you could argue may not have been their bread and butter, but are things or competencies that they picked up and they learned. And you are absolutely right. This has nothing to do with their core business, but they can hire people who do know it and who do get it. And, um, you know, when you look at where are their monetization opportunities, um, the idea of, um, you know, being able to tie in fitness and the, the hardware um, information about the consumer and about their effectiveness or, you know, kind of their strengths and weaknesses or whatever data, um, and especially first party data, all of this is, is great. I mean, in many ways, it's a page out of Nike's playbook. Mm. And, yeah. you know, I don't think that anybody would, would say that, you know, kind of Nike's attempt to do what they're doing is wrong, even though arguably Nike hasn't always had successes with its hardware, right? Um, right. Hey, because, you know, you throw it against the wall and, you know, I mean, why should they be held in any different of a regard versus these technology companies like Google that, you know, fail in half of yeah. their efforts? But, you know, I mean, it doesn't it doesn't matter for, for them because, you know, they all they needed are hits. And I think that it's the same idea here. So I would say this is a hit. Interesting. Marcus, you got a take on this? Yeah, I think I think so as well. I think I would agree with that. I I, I think it's a, a kind of race to figure out this general kind of internet of things, right? And so the idea of like how much of this smart stuff are you going to have in your home, whether it be a belt or you know your temperature control or there's a and in the first the first company that solved this is just going to make off like gangbusters right so so part of it i think is a bit of a play a, a bet on that as well but i love the idea of you know what you know we and it makes sense this is what sucharita is saying we know that there is a lifestyle behind this lululemon that's the argument at least from a brand perspective so why not lean in on that lifestyle and you know give the opportunity for the lululemon brand to live beyond just the moment where you put the stuff on and take it off and so to me, it's like this very interesting expansion of the brand into a broader but relevant conversation around lifestyle. What do you think, Barbara? Well, 
Well, you know, I agree with that. And that's my first take. But as I'm listening to you just to play devil's advocate, really what made Lulu so special was doing, you know, yoga classes in the store and creating that person to person community. Now, I don't think this is necessarily a bad play, but I wonder, you know, as we get out of COVID, hopefully, 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 and back into the gyms and back into that live thing, I wonder what will happen to everybody's Pelotons and mirrors that are sitting there, you know, will they go back to the gym? And I can't but think that this is a pretty expensive use of resources, mm, if, mm-hmm. let alone leadership talent at you know, share of mind, etc. cetera. Oh, so while I agree, I do. My first take absolutely was the hit. You know, there could be some caveats and thinking about it just in terms of as you know, what's going to happen when we come out of COVID? Is it back to person to person? touch me, touch me, you know, trainers, you know, feel exactly whether my form is right or not, or Mm -hmm, are mm -hmm. we going to buy into omni-channel gym experience? You know, I don't know. We'll see, but now not, you know, the the field is littered with companies who overstretched. So um, hopefully that it does make sense here. And, you know, and I would also argue Nike doing it is one thing. They always were on performance and product technology. But Lula was a fashion company, a yoga company, a community company, you know, so I don't Fair know. Enough. Yeah. Um, but but I my my definite take is hit and I'm just offering devil's advocate. on. No, this. it's interesting. Um, Very interesting. So, Americus, what's your hit or miss this week? Well, my, mine is a little bit uh, probably not as fresh and new as yours, Barbara, but it, it popped up in a news feed and I wasn't aware of this. So I'm going to just throw it out there. Uh, we all know we were talking about Amazon. So we all know if Jeff Bezos was about to go into space, apparently. Uh, <laughs> and I mean, oh, my God, this is unbelievable stuff. But apparently I, I heard about this. This is this is an attempt to correct a little bit the perception of the poor treatment of the uh, workers at Amazon. Uh, And they created this thing called the Amazon. And basically (laughs) it's basically a little booth in the factories where people can go in, uh, employees can go in and relax, take a moment listen to some music, uh, you know, and take a break from the hectic chaotic uh, work environment. And so this was introduced uh, probably about a couple weeks ago. And th- but there was this massive backlash, Barbara, where social media actually started attacking uh, this idea saying, you know, well, it's basically coffins. Uh, <laughs> just, you know, how about just decent wages and, and some other things beside a little pod to go in and pretend that my life is not awful. <laughs> and so, you know, and so the, the original tweet, which was part of, you know, kind of announcing this was taken down immediately by Amazon. And so I'm wondering, you know, I, I, it's hit or miss in the sense of the, the, the intention is there to do something that's positive, but the execution, it made me think, Barbara, about this notion of this is what happens when you're not paying attention to the, that values-based, purpose-driven aspect of your brand uh, that may be getting criticized. And you're not, you're not focused on the power of that perception that's out there in the marketplace. Even when you try to do something positive, it's even worse than had you not done anything negative. So it's kind of, a, in my view, I'll get your perspective on this next, Barbara, kind of an in-between a hit and a miss. What are your thoughts? Yeah, that's pretty interesting. But before I comment, given I've talked a lot about what I think about Amazon, it opens the doors to Teresa. Anything you want to say about Amazon is now fair game. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there is always so much. <laughs> the whole rest of the show can be about Amazon. And, you know, 
we would have lots of, uh, you know, kind of dish there. Yeah, I agree with you, Americus. I mean, because this is not, their corporate values are about efficiency and speed. Like if they had made an announcement that, you know, they were going to have like some helicopter taxi to take, you know, kind of all of oh, interesting. I would have been like, go right on that. That is on brand. But like an, a, a Zen pod, like, I mean, that makes <laughs> like massage heights or like, <laughs> But I mean, seriously, like Amazon, like it just doesn't, it doesn't fit at all with um, their brand, what we, their, what we perceive to be their brand values. Um, And, and, and I, I think that it's, it's a miss and it's just silly things. It was like at Walmart going into fashion, uh, you know, and fashion like years ago, it's like, you know, and, and, and Amazon needs to be especially careful these days because they're so big. They're such a target. And they are going to be mocked for stuff like this. Like, you know, don't say stuff like this if you don't want to be mocked. It's yeah. as that. Yeah, and I love it. One of the one of the tweets was this: the Amazon Amazon Zen booth is here. A porta potty would be more useful to its intensely exploited <laughs> yes. and surveilled workers. But I appreciate Amazon's commitment to the bit. <laughs> yes, that is so. Tr- that's brilliant. That's brilliant. <laughs> You know, it's interesting you say that about it because there has been so much news about Amazon. One article I saw recently was saying Walmart, of course, is the biggest retailer in the world, but they're saying Amazon at the rate they're going is bound to beat Walmart on this. And the other thing I read recently is I guess it's I forget where it is, but someone is proposing legislature to legislation to divide up Amazon um, because it's just too big. You know, and there's been a lot of talk about that going forward. So um, the bigger you get the more of an attack you are. So I agree. You got to be careful and you should have the responsibility of saying things that make sense. There's a lo- local article in our Philadelphia paper just today mm. about um, people pushing back on too much traffic around the Amazon warehouse in mm. in Philadelphia. So they just have a lot of things to pay attention to yeah. as they get really big. I'm Barbara Kahn, along with my co-host, Americus Reed. This is Marketing Matters. Today, we're joined by Sucharita Kodali, who's a retail analyst at Forrester, and we're playing our hits and misses game. Americus just had one. I guess we all agreed that was the miss. Lulu <laughs> might be our hit, but Sucharita, break our tie. What do you got for us? <laughs> oh, this is a fun one. This was one of my favorite stories last week. So there is a grocer in Canada called No Frills. It's a division of a company called Loblaws, um, which is a larger Canadian grocer well-known in Canada. And um, they put out an album of all things last September. Hmm. Was um, It was almost a hip-hop album, um, but the themes, they had um, about 12 tracks of songs that were all tied to the store. So one of the, the, the tracks was like um, Express Lane. Another was... <laughs> it up you know another was call me by my name I think and that was like you know literally like just like a bunch of names of store associates that that (laughs) and um it was the 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 purpose of this um album is to was that they were just playing it um in the sound system in the stores you know when you're shopping well, Jimmy Fallon last week and his writers got wind of this album. It was called The Holland State of Mind. It's like a, it had a black album cover with like a banana on it with the banana. I think it was peeled and there was like a bite taken out of the banana. So, so I'm just kind of visualizing for, for this for you. And Jimmy 
um, basically went off on it. And um, it was, I, I think, part of a section called, you know, kind of albums you shouldn't listen to or albums you don't want to listen to. And um, they were they were mocking, you know, they, they were going full on mockery of a, of a song called Bananas. Um, and they played it and they, you know, kind of dissected all the lyrics. Um, I actually say that this was a brilliant hit for No Frills. Um, mm-hmm. A, I would have never heard about it otherwise, mm-hmm. not in Canada. Um, but B, I just love the idea of a store being so creative. I mean, this is essentially a Canadian version of Aldi. And, mm. um, you know, they they just did something that is so out of the box. This is the grocery industry, one of the most boring industries in the world. And they made it spicy. And in fact, that's another song title is spicy. Um, so, <laughs> Would love to hear your thoughts. What do you guys think? Americus, you got to take this one. This is right up <laughs> Well, it, I love it. Uh, to your point, uh, Sucharita, I think it's fantastic. Uh, from, from an earned media point of view, I mean, anytime you get one of the you know, most popular late night hosts to, even if they're railing on you, yeah. it, it's a win, uh, essentially, for your, for, for your store. Uh, I, also, I also think that there is this kind of interesting dynamic and Barbara jump in on this as well you know one time I was actually in a grocery store and the music was off and I like not playing and I remember they're like that was really weird like I was like walking around like there's something wrong here <laughs> like what and I t- it took me a second to say oh there's no music playing so you know there is this kind of interesting connection if you will between shopping and Barbara studies this as well you know, shopping, retail, you know, ambiance, music. These are these are things that aren't completely separate. So I think it's a big win on on like multiple dimensions, actually. What are your thoughts, Barbara? Yeah, that is pretty interesting. Now that you know, I never hear music and I'm music not good. Whatever the word is opposite of being good at music is what I am. Um, <laughs> but I have noticed music in the grocery store. And a lot of times in my grocery store, they play, I feel like it's tailored to me because they play music from my generation right when I'm looking at the produce. <laughs> <laughs> and that's when I notice it, you know, but Very it cool. is kind of at a subliminal level, some of yeah. these things. So first of all, there's, of course, anything that you pay attention to is going to be good for your brand or that you notice as Suturija mentioned, but that this is kind of an interesting thing to play on is for a grocery store. Is a, that's a pretty interesting play. It just says like a lot of this stuff. I think all the things we've been talking about is this focus again, which we've talked about on our show a lot is on customer experience. You know, yeah. we're really Really in the world of talking about things that are not directly related to the product, but mm-hmm. do affect the consumer and differentiates the brand or the overall experience in a way that's not product driven. Mm-hmm. And for, for a marketing kind of thing, to me, that's a big paradigm shift in marketing that we're mm-hmm. spending our whole time talking about these issues and mm-hmm. none of them are related particularly to product innovation mm-hmm. or something mm-hmm. like that. So interesting. interesting. I think that that's an interesting thing for talking about the, the news of the week or some of the events we saw on the headlines. But we have a few minutes left here, Sutrija. Can you tell us some of the stuff that you've been looking at or some of the things but, that you've been at? Oh, you want to? Okay. Sorry, but, but before you, I want to get your perspective on this because the you know there's one serendipity is one thing but the 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 true creative litmus test will be the sophomore album 
from this, <laughs> right? Now we'll see. Like, do they really know what they're doing, or was this completely like the gods just happened to smile on this random day? <laughs> right. Once you're lucky, twice you're good. Right. Yep, yeah, yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Well, I got to use that. That's a good phrase. <laughs> <laughs> but what, what have you been looking at, Sucharita? Tell us about some of the stories that you've been following. Um, well, so a lot of what I am doing these days and a lot of what I um, am spending a lot of time looking at is uh, things like last mile delivery. Um, and there has been a huge influx of uh, venture capital into these ultra fast last mile delivery companies. Um, Gorillas is probably one of the most prominent ones. It is um it's actually a Berlin-based retailer or a merchant, um, a, a, an app, really. And uh, they have these micro-fulfillment centers that are um, essentially, um, you know, kind of they deliver to like one or two blocks of a radius. And um, their assortment tends to be more, um, you know, just everyday drugstore items and some, some really, really high velocity grocery items. Um, so that is one of the things that I think it's going to be fascinating to see how companies like that actually shake out. Um, I've been saying that I just, I'm still skeptical of online grocery delivery in any way, shape, mm. or form. Um, and I don't know if you guys remember, there was that company Cosmo from mm-hmm. like dot com boom that you know they raised like a billion dollars and went bust after like you know two weeks um so I, you know kind of i kind of wonder is this just cosmo 2.0 or mm. actually something something there so that that's a big question uh, why are you so against uh, uh, online grocery delivery um why did you yeah why am i so i don't think that there's a demand problem my concern is that nobody has figured out the economics of the delivery yet so mm-hmm. it's profitable and the margins are so low that we haven't there's not been a um you know an, an, an innovation a technology innovation um to, to make that make it more cost effective it's a it's a very high variable cost solution because it requires labor and you have to go take the package somewhere. And, you know, that is adding um, cost to a transaction that before consumers would absorb. So, so I, I haven't seen something that changes that cost equation um, and merchants haven't really brought the prices of grocery delivery up enough to cover that cost. And mm. consumers aren't willing to. Well, one it. way to look at it though, of course, is as the whole grocery business is a loss leader for <laughs> other revenue generate, you know, like that's what Walmart does. You go buy the other higher margin items in the store. If you, if you purchase at Walmart and they are getting into fashion, you know, <laughs> you had made a joke about that before, but Denise and Candela is in charge of their fashion. They're going for exclusive brands and Denise and Candela, she's a Wharton grad. So we follow her, but she has a history at Ralph Lauren and Saks. Mm-hmm. And I think she's wow. somebody to watch for in what she'll do in the brand. So one way to think about the whole grocery business could be almost as a, a lost leader. A and really, leader. All you really have to do is get it to, neutral and you're going to make money on other kinds of either higher margin goods or subscriptions Mm. or something else Mm. um because so everybody has to become either a hypermarket then or 
you know, if you're just pure play grocery, you won't survive. Eventually you won't. And you're seeing some of the big players go into pharmacy or healthcare or some of these other kinds of business. That's one way to think about it. Um, it would definitely revolutionize the grocery business. So um, I'm not sure that's the way we want it to go or it'll eventually go. But it is, I think when I've been talking to retail analysts and things, there's a lot of attention on what's happening with grocery, especially as we come out of COVID and what the consumers are going to demand now that they've seen online delivery mm. um, or curbside pickup or anything mm -hmm. like that. Interesting. Um, but you're right, like some of the players and stuff, as you see this uh, financial activity or SPAC investments or all these other things, they're going to pick up some of these new companies that are trying to solve this dimensionality. Mm. Yeah. Uh, Americus, do you have a take on any of this? Well, I have a take. I, I want to take, you know, uh, an understanding of how to get more of this online grocery stuff for myself. I absolutely love it. <laughs> Uh, I didn't, I didn't know I was causing anybody to lose money, Sucharita, but, <laughs> but apparently I am. Uh, but, but it's interesting though, because it, it does sort of open up sort of the, the heterogeneity of preference, right? So there are there, you know, so the segments get to split off. They're the people who like want efficiency, all of those things, like lots of value on their time, boom, they're gone. And then there are the people who like, you know what? It, I love the, just going to the store, pushing that cart, feeling the stuff, making decisions. There's some, there's an identity in that. For some people, you know, and so it's interesting to see how, you know, how these segments kind of diverge and how different solutions will cause them to kind of create different markets that potentially are equally plausible. Let's see. Yeah, definitely. Let's see. So are there any other we only have a few minutes left to treat anything else you want to bring to our attention that you're looking at? Oh, well, it may be a big bomb to throw out, you know, with like a minute left. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, there's uh, all kinds of uh, conversations that we're having and that we're hearing about AI in, in the retail industry in particular. But, you know, of course, that extends to all consumer facing industries. Um, and, um, you know, there's some some super interesting companies out there in in everything, of course, from camera vision to um, uh, you know, kind of, uh, you know, being able to see how many or in a parking lot. But um, I think a lot of the best use cases are going to be in um, just back off functions, you know, a little boring, but uh, that's where a lot of inefficiencies are now. Um, mm -hmm. So that's probably um, the, one, the one thing that I'm spending a lot of time paying attention to these days. I couldn't agree more. I think a lot of the innovation in retail is going to be back office supply chain logistics. I hate to say that because I'm a marketing person and I like the sizzle, but I think that's where a lot of what's going now and the winners are going to be in that area. Well, it looks like we're out of time. Uh, thank you, Sucharita, so much for joining us today. And where can our listeners go to keep up with you and your research? Oh, well, thank you. Um, on Twitter or LinkedIn, um, just uh, Sucharita Kadali um, and, uh, you know, on either of those platforms is probably best. Well, that's great. Thanks a lot. We're going to take a short break. And when we're back, we're going to talk with the chief marketing officer of the Atlanta Hawks in charge of everything from game day production to fighting for racial equity within her company and in the broader society. This is Marketing Banners Business Radio, Sirius XM 132.